Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Hello, America. It is Eric Erickson here. I hope you had a great weekend. The phone number, 877-973-7425. Delighted to have you with me. Well, well, well. They waited until the weekend. Turns out there are more documents more classified documents this is this is from over the weekend it dropped they did a review on friday and really word got out on saturday the justice department on friday completed an extensive search of president biden's home in wilmington delaware and turned up additional classified documents some of which date to his time in the senate and others from his eight-year tenure as vice president the president's personal attorney announced after being given Full access to Biden's home, including personally handwritten notes, files, papers, and binders that covered decades of work. The Justice Department took possession of six items. Those items, according to the president's personal attorney, Bob Bauer, consisted of, quote, documents with classification marks and surrounding materials. The Justice Department also took some of Biden's handwritten notes from his vice presidential years to further review them. Now, notice the language here. This is lawyerly language. The Justice Department took six items. They didn't say six documents. They said six items. It could be a file folder with a thousand pages of classified material, and that's one item. Notice the legalese and what they said. Documents with classification markings and surrounding materials. So it it could be a file that was top secret and all the pages in it. We don't know. We don't know the classification level. There's a lot we don't know. Now, it is also very true that there are documents where it's just one word is classified and should be redacted, not the whole document. That happens sometimes. Rare, but that happens. So it could be that. We don't know. We don't know anything. But the, the, the weasel wording of this suggests it's actually a, a substantial amount, but it's it's just six items, six very big items. It could be. They keep screwing this up. What is also notable here is that some of these documents go all the way back to when he was in the United States Senate. So that predates 2008, and they've been sitting in his house. And at the time, you know what that means. I, I I hope you've already gotten there with your brain. Joe Biden had to have willfully carried these documents out of the United States Senate. If they were classified documents during his time in the Senate, Joe Biden himself would have been ferrying these back and forth between his house and the Senate. This would have not been the CIA dropping documents off like in the White House or even the vice presidential mansion. This would be Joe Biden carrying the documents himself. Now, we don't need to go back through the audio. But it's worth reminding you that when word came out about Donald Trump and the documents at Mar-a-Lago, Joe Biden proceeded to lecture Trump, Republicans, and all Americans on the sanctity of classified documents on how you treat them particularly and specially and segregate them from non-classified documents. You do not carry them off into your home and leave them there where people can find them. 
You don't leave them in your garage. The media can nuance this all they want to say. Well, this isn't like Donald Trump and the, the highly classified nature. We don't even know the classification of Biden documents. We know that Trump had nuclear codes. It doesn't matter at this point. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because Joe Biden himself, the president of the United States, told us the issue was not the level of classification. The issue was how the documents themselves were treated. The issue was how the documents themselves had uh, been taken into a place where they could be accessed and the, the sacrosanct nature of it all that you can't do this. You're, it, it's bad for you to do. Joe Biden lectured us on all of that. And he's done the same thing. The issue is about the hypocrisy. Democrats can rally around the flag all they want. They can rally around the president. But it was this president who lectured us all about how sacred and sacrosanct the document process is for classified documents and the treatment of the classified documents. And you can't just leave them lying around places for people to find because they're classified documents. And he has done the same thing. This is from the New York Times. President Biden's lawyers told the Justice Department in November that they had no reason to believe that copies of official records from his vice presidency had ended up anywhere beyond a think tank in Washington, where several classified documents had been found that month. Two people familiar with the matter said on Wednesday, on Sunday, that assertion, the people said, was based on interviews with former officials who had been involved in the process of packing and shipping such material. The Biden legal team had surveyed them after the discovery on November 2nd of a small number of classified documents in a closet of his former office at the Penn Biden Center seeking to understand how the files got there. But it would turn out that a handful of classified documents were at the residence in Wilmington, Delaware, too. The mistaken premise, according to the people who spoke on the condition of anonymity to discuss this incident matter, helps explain why roughly seven weeks elapsed before Mr. Biden's lawyer searched boxes in the garage at his Wilmington home on December 20th and found several more classified papers. The escalating scrutiny Mr. Biden faced over his handling of the materials in turn led to the discovery of yet more sensitive documents this month and the appointment of a special counsel. On Friday, FBI agents, at the invitation of Mr. Biden's lawyers, conducted an extraordinary search of every room in his Wilmington home, finding another half dozen files marked as classified, going back to his time as senator. You can't prosecute Donald Trump over this. Not when Joe Biden's doing it. You can nuance this all you want. But Joe Biden did it too, going back to his time in the Senate. And notice they let FBI agents come in. They invited them in. There was no raid. They there was no they wanted to get ahead of it. When you keep drip, 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 finding all of these new documents, of course the FBI is going to have to come in. Question is, is it a raid or you invite them? So they invited them in to do the search and they found more documents. The Democrats are struggling to even try to defend this at this point. Here's Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia. 
President Biden said he had no regrets on how he handled this. Do you have any advice for him on how he should handle this? Oh, I think he should have a lot of regrets. Yeah, I would, are, I would the... think that. I said, whoever's responsible. I mean, if I hold people accountable and I use whether it be my chief of staff or my, you know, my uh, my staff mm-hmm. who's, who, that we're doing this and I'm looking at, then I'm going to hold someone accountable. But right. basically, the buck stops with me. That's Joe mentioned Heidi Heitkamp as well. And, and Heidi, this will obviously, as Alex said, as we will all say, uh, make its way into the 2024 election. Well, how, how does he handle this going forward? Can he really keep saying, no, there, there? I mean, how long will this take, Sarah, do you think? A lightning fast investigation with the Department of Justice takes a long time. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, the, the reality is it's not been handled well up to this point, and they need a course correction. The worst thing the president could have said was, there's no there there, I, I've done, you know. No regrets. I, I have no regrets. The easy answer was, look, this obviously is something that should not have happened. I should not have had classified documents in my possession at, at various levels. We're going to get to the bottom of this. But I, in no way, did this intentionally. I think that um, we have to look at a process on how we handle classified documents going forward. That would take the air out of the balloon. When you make this about a comparison to Trump, when you make this about uh, you know, defensive posture, you're going to lose this debate. And so they need a course correction on how they handle it. And, and the Donald trip, Trump trip. shouldn't be the bar. Absolutely. Donald Trump is not, oh, well, I did better than Donald Trump. <laughs> so legally and politically, I'm fine. Both of them could have committed crimes even if Donald Trump's was worse. Even if Donald Trump's was worse, it doesn't matter here. She's right there. Both of them could have committed crimes. I doubt they did. Don't think either one should be prosecuted for this. It suggests to me that this is more common than what they had us believe. But this is the thing. It's Joe Biden who did say he had no regrets. It's Joe Biden who said he did everything right and they got it all when they didn't. It's Joe Biden who lectured us on classified documents. And, you know, when this happened, when he was a senator, when it happened, when he was the vice president, he had no power to declassify the documents. If it happened now, he could use the Trump excuse and say, hey, I I decided to declassify them." You can't do that when you're the vice president. You can't do that when you are the um, when you're a senator. And yet he had these documents. In some ways, this is becoming worse than the Trump situation, not in the nature of the documents, but in the in-your-face, rubbing it in, there's no regrets, how dare you handle classified documents this way, Donald Trump, and then he does it. Because there's one thing the American people really don't like, and that's a hypocrite. That's why so many campaign ads attack people on, he says this, but he did this in the past. He takes this position now, but five years ago he did this. Americans don't like hypocrites. Joe Biden took the position that Donald Trump should probably go to jail because the way he handled classified documents. And now it turns out he did the same thing. Again, for those of you screaming at me from the left, yes, you can say all you want. Donald, the classified documents Donald Trump had were highly classified documents. There are levels of classification. There are top secret documents related to our nuclear codes and nuclear arsenal that Donald Trump had in his possession at Mar-a-Lago based on leaks from the FBI. Notice how no one is leaking the nature of Joe Biden's documents. Hmm, why? Why is no one leaking the nature of Joe Biden's documents from the FBI? 
Is it because they're bad or because the FBI has a side it's playing for? Hmm, why exactly? But you can know nuance and say it's different because of the nature and the amount of classified documents and that, that Biden has been voluntarily handing over the documents and invited the FBI in. They're trying to build the case of differentiation. That's what they're trying to do. You can see it by how they invited in the FBI, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because Joe Biden did it too. And Joe Biden of the two of them is the one who lectured us on not doing stuff like this, the very stuff Joe Biden was doing that mitigates and neutralizes the issue for Donald Trump. Whether you like it or not, that's the truth of the matter. It undermines all of Joe Biden's arguments. Alex Burns for The Politico on TV this weekend. One last, one last bit of audio here. Democrats, of course, Alex, are, are scrambling to say, you, you heard Senator Coons, this, this, this is all going to be okay. There, there is, backing up what, what President Biden says, no there there. Well, look, I think the Democrats who are saying that are speaking from a place of a hope rather than sort of deep knowledge, right? It's pretty obvious at this point that people in leadership roles in the party don't know what the next turn of the screw is uh, in this investigation, including people who work in the White House who are pretty upfront about the fact that they don't really know where this is headed next. Martha, I thought that the poll that, uh, that Rick outlined is such a useful and important reality check for some of the sort of post-midterm election confidence that you heard from Democrats about President Biden. You see in that poll all kinds of signs that the public is deeply distrustful of the Republican Party, deeply uncomfortable with the Republican Congress, but by no means is Joe Biden this 10-foot-tall political figure who is sort of hugely popular and resilient against all odds, that he has done a very good job, Democrats have done a very good job of disqualifying the Republican Party for a big stretch of the American middle, but it's pretty clear that the American people have real questions about Joe Biden's handling of some of the most important issues in the day, of the day, including these classified documents. Exactly. Aha, uh-huh. the American people get the hypocrisy. Americans don't like hypocrisy. And so for the Democrats to still make hay out of Donald Trump, this kind of neutralizes that issue, which is why actually behind the scenes, so many of them are so mad at the Biden administration and probably why Ron Klain has finally decided, you know what, it's time to leave. Yes, the president's chief of staff is walking out the door. Those details when we come back. If you own a small to medium-sized business that kept employees on payroll through COVID, you may have a big cash refund waiting for you. The Employee Retention Credit is a tax credit of up to $26,000 per employee, and now more businesses than ever qualify. The experts at RefundsPro.com specialize in cutting through the red tape of qualifying for this government program. Most of their refunds are over $100,000. Even businesses that have received PPP funds may be eligible, and there are absolutely no fees unless you receive a refund. There's no reason not to apply. If your business experienced shutdowns, limited capacity, supply chain challenges, or even reduced revenue due to COVID, you likely qualify. RefundsPro.com has already helped hundreds of businesses, so don't lose the refund you're owed by missing the deadline. Get started today with a free five-minute questionnaire at Refunds with an S, RefundsPro.com. That's RefundsWithanSPro.com.
Hi there, it is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Jeff Zintz is to be Joe Biden's next chief of staff. He, He is a Bain Capital guy, which makes it all the more fun and hilarious. A management consultant. Ron Klain is out. He will leave after the State of the Union. And since we'll come back, he was the COVID guy. He was the guy who promised us the winter of death. Get vaccinated or you will die. That guy. Um, so this is uh, Washington Post reporting Biden's going to name since the uh, chief of staff, Bain Capital guy. Uh, and this is going to be tricky. So here's the thing with Ron Klain. Uh, for all of my issues that I might have with Nancy Pelosi, you should understand something about Nancy Pelosi, whether you like Nancy Pelosi or not. Nancy Pelosi knew how to get stuff done in the House of Representatives. Nancy Pelosi held her caucus better than McCarthy's going to hold his in large part because Pelosi has principles that Kevin McCarthy does not. It's not that she has left-wing principles and he has right-wing principles. It's that she has principles and he has none. So it's Nancy Pelosi knows what she wants, knows what her members want, and knows where she has to go in order to get her members to go partway with her in a way that McCarthy is going to have a hard time navigating. Nancy Pelosi could get things done in the House of Representatives. She was able to get Obamacare passed and a lot of other things passed. You may not like her, but she was an effective speaker and an effective legislator. And I say all of this to point out Nancy Pelosi has no use for Ron Klain. By the way, I don't know if you read this interview with her over the weekend. She didn't have any use for MSNBC either. She doesn't think MSNBC is a great uh, network. Nancy Pelosi may be a progressive, but she wants to get stuff done and knows that sometimes the progressives can undermine the cause of their own progressives, of which she is one. She also thinks Ron Klain catered too much to the progressives in the House and emboldened them instead of trying to help her get stuff done and often undercut her and Chuck Schumer's ability to be even more effective and cut deals with moderate Republicans. She thinks essentially Ron Klain was worthless. Ron Klain gets all sorts of pats on the back from a lot of people, but Ron Klain arguably uh, made a lot of things at the White House more difficult to do. He's emboldened the left, catered to the left, capitalized on the left, and now is going to be left out in the cold. It's time for him to go anyway. He's burned out from the job. I don't know that Jeff Zins is going to be able to get anything done, though, because Klain emboldened progressives in the White House. Zins is, is to the left, but he's not a true believer. He's a Bain Capital management guy. This is going to be fun, fun, fun to watch as all of this, like, blows up in Biden's face. Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Just as an aside here, before I get into all the economic news, my son is playing uh, soccer this year. They weren't sure if his uh, school he goes to a small Christian classical education school and they weren't sure if they were going to have enough players for a high school team. And they invited the eighth grade boys to play on the high school team. Well, 
the they wound up uh, a short a couple of players and some of the high school boys decided they didn't want to play after all so instead they're going to do middle school so we've kind of been waiting in limbo to sort all the stuff out practice starts today so we had to spend the weekend finding cleats there were none it was ridiculous well i shouldn't say there were none there weren't any in his size but more importantly of the cleats that they had I was kind of stunned how they've they've become unisex. So there aren't men's cleats and women's cleats. There there's uniform styling and unisex. And Adidas has just totally embraced pink as a theme for all their shoes. And and Mikey was like, I'm not wearing pink shoes. I mean, they would have black soles, but the cleats would be pink on the bottom. Or my wife's favorite was black, and it was a Nike pair, and the Nike swoosh was in gold, and then there was pink. And the kids like, I'm not doing that. There were orange ones. There were pink ones. Uh, whatever happened to your standard black cleats, which are available, mind you, but the local selection, we went to, gosh, we went to multiple stores. We looked online in the area. We just could not find soccer cleats. Everybody's pivoted all of a sudden to baseball and softball cleats, uh, which are are not the same. We don't want to tear up our field with metal cleats. So we wound up ordering online and then even online getting in the Adidas store, Um I just like nope. Going to go with New Balance. Get some some standard black cleats. The, I the 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 embrace of gender neutrality in in sports that are not gender neutral, and uh, all the kids are going to be wearing pink cleats. And like I, that's not going to work. Might work in Europe. In Europe, they're certainly doing this more and more, and that's why so many of these companies are embracing this sort of styling. It's not going to work in the United States, particularly in the southern United States where my kid is. He's not wearing pink cleats, and that's probably, I suspect, from talking to one of the salesmen, one of the problems they're having is the only cleats left on the shelves are the ones that none of the kids want to wear because of the colors. I just, businesses would rather go woke and go broke than actually make stuff people actually want to wear. It's just, just stunning, which segues perfectly into this. The economy is not doing so great, or at least more and more warning signs. And it's it's funny to watch the spin now. I, I saw Paul Krugman bragging about how the Biden administration is, is doing wonders to tackle inflation, which Krugman previously said was uh, transitory in nature, and now suddenly gets all the credit for tackling it because the Federal Reserve outside the control of Joe Biden is raising interest rates. In fact, there's a growing concern about interest rates uh, that uh, the Fed is going to have to continue to keep raising those rates in order to stifle inflation because it's not where it wants to be. What's also happening is the workforces of America in technology are dying out. They're they're. They are laying off lots of people. Uh, In fact, as I am writing this, Spotify has announced it is laying off 6% of its workforce. That amounts to about 600 people, but that's still 6% of of Spotify's workforce, which is a substantial number. Now, let me give you the data here. Spotify is laying off 6% of his workforce, uh, its workforce, but Spotify's workforce is not massive, so 6% of Spotify being laid off only amounts to 600 people. But Amazon is cutting 18,000 people. 
Alphabet, that is Google, is cutting 12,000 people. Meta, that is Facebook, is cutting 11,000 people. Microsoft is cutting 10,000 people. Salesforce is cutting 8,000 people. Let me give you the numbers again. Spotify is cutting 600 people from its workforce, a small number, but that amounts to 6% of its workforce. Amazon is cutting 18,000 employee positions. Google is cutting 12,000 positions. Facebook is cutting 11,000 positions. Microsoft is cutting 10,000 positions. Spotify, or I'm sorry, Salesforce is cutting 8,000 positions. Those are a lot of people in the tech sector being laid off. For perspective, Apple is cutting zero. The Wall Street Journal's Aaron Tilley noted that from September of 2019 to September 2022, Apple's workforce grew by 20%. Amazon's grew by 50%, Microsoft's by 53%, Google's by 57%, and my, uh, Facebook by 94%. Apple has a total of 164,000 full-time employees, and 65,000 of those are retail employees. They make up 40% of the company. Now, to give you some more uh, comps here, Spotify is laying off 600 employees, which is 6% of its business. Google is laying off 6% of its business as well, but that amounts to 12,000 employees for Google. I bring all of this up to note a few things. The economy is not doing well, but you should not look on the technology sector and say that's proof the economy is doing poorly. Because again, the biggest company in the world, Apple, is not laying anyone off. It has managed to grow uh, within its means. What a lot of these companies in tech did is they gave lavish perks. Not only did they give lavish perks, they hired people to keep them away from other people. And that's a very important thing. Years ago, I worked for CNN. I was there for three years as a conservative commentator. Their sales pitch to get me there was essentially, we're headquartered in Atlanta. We don't have anybody who sounds like they're from there. Uh, will, you, will you come? And uh, Rush Limbaugh and Joe Scarborough, both on opposite ends of the spectrum there, both pushed me to go, and I did. It was great. I actually enjoyed it. Learned how to navigate a, an environment that was hostile to my views, make some friends on the other side, and make a case for conservatism on a network that, at the time, didn't really have any good conservative voices. Or the ones they had were heavily establishment voices engaged in the group think of Washington, D.C. After three years, though, I was exhausted of constantly being under fire from the outside, everyone trying to get me fired, people on the inside trying to get me fired, and I moved over to the safe space of Fox News. Roger Ailes himself wooed me over there. Roger liked to put every conservative on Fox's payroll, lock them in whether they got airtime or not. You oftentimes didn't have work. I worked way less at Fox News for the five years I was there than in the three years at CNN. I've done, did more TV in a, the year after I was off of Fox 
than I did in the five years I was on. They just locked every Republican and conservative onto the payroll of Fox, depriving them of MSNBC and CNN access, and could then say, look, they don't have any conservatives on these networks. They're clearly not catering to conservatives. Well, of course not. We're all on payroll at Fox. After Roger died and and he went through economic hard times to a degree, Fox started ending uh, contributor relationships, winding things down they had previously had. Uh, By then, I was ready to leave and told them I wanted to leave, and they told me they were kind of ready for me to go anyway. It was a mutual parting of ways. Now I can go wherever I want because I'm not under contract. That means I don't get paid, but I can do TV if I want to or not. There's no obligation, and I love that. I'm going to be doing CNN tonight, News Nation tomorrow. Uh, might do Fox later this week, depending on the schedule. It's It's been great to bounce around. But tech companies did what Roger Ailes did. Roger Ailes hired every conservative so they couldn't go elsewhere in tech These companies hired everybody they possibly could to prevent them from going to competitors. Many of these companies hired people or lured people away from Apple. I mentioned the other day that the Federal Trade Commission is looking at uh, non-compete agreements. Non-compete agreements say if if you leave your job, you can't work for a competitor for a certain amount of time, up to two years. In radio, typically, it's like a six-month thing. You can't take a job in radio at a competitor in the same city for six months. In technology, it tends to be two years within a geographic region. In California, they've gotten rid of non-competes. So you can hop from company to company to company whenever you want. You're just not allowed to take someone's trade secrets with you. That's a separate law, and you can't get around that law. So what these companies would do is they would go to each other, to employees, and say, hey, we want to pay you X number of dollars to come to our company and get you out of your current company because we don't like the competitive infrastructure you've got there. And if you come to our company, you don't have to actually go into an office. You can work from home. You don't actually have to ever cook because you can come to the office and we have gourmet meals. You can get a massage on our dime. You can get a therapist on our dime. You have... 300 days of vacation out of 365 days a year that you have to work. It's a great deal. And people are like, well, yeah. I mean, if I can come to you, go to a massage therapist three times a week and eat gourmet food without ever having to come to the office and barely have to work, of course I'm going to leave my employer. Well, now the chickens are coming home to roost on that. Apple never did that. Most people who work at Apple want to work at Apple. They they don't want to work at these other companies. They want to work at Apple. They think it's it's a deeply innovative company. They may not agree with everything, but but they they want to work for a deeply innovative company. Apple has never had to do the the perks that these other companies have. The result is that now as the economy is beginning to turn and these companies are starting to realize they can no longer rely on their share prices, uh, to make them money and selling stock, they've got to actually work on their profitability. They're having to fire a lot of people. We should not look at the tech company layoffs and say, oh, this means the economy sucks. No, uh, this means that these tech companies are finally getting realistic about their employee costs. But we can look at other sectors and see harbingers of bad things to come. The finance sector is doing the same thing. Goldman Sachs laying people off, other finance companies laying people off, banks beginning to lay people off, the housing sector too. 
The length of time it takes for a house to get purchased once it gets on the market has more than tripled from two years ago where people were putting them on the market and they were being snapped up the same day. Uh, At this point, you can go months. The amount of inventory for sale has gone up. The average home price for sale, they're starting to be cut. More and more sellers are having to cut prices. That's a red flag in the housing sector. Buddy of mine is a home builder, and he says he's getting more and more requests for work from subcontractors who had been so full of work, they had to push people away, and now the subcontractor's like, we'll take a job. We need jobs. Send, send work our way. We're starting to see red flags in the housing sector and in the banking sector, and those two sectors tend to be harbingers of bad things to come for the rest of the economy. Egg prices are up dramatically. I saw Robert Reich, the former Treasury Secretary, blasting egg producers as greedy. Profits are the cost of eggs are up 63% from last year. Someone replied to him and says they has a real hard time believing that egg producers are 63% greedier this year than last year. It may have something to do with the 15 million egg-laying hens that have been killed due to the bird flu. Never let facts stand in the way of an argument, Robert. We've got increased prices. When you take the decline in fuel prices out, inflation is still high. Turmoil in banks, turmoil in housing, Separate from that, turmoil in technology. A lot of people becoming unemployed all of a sudden. We've got economically dangerous times ahead of us. And also, probably the best indicator of something bad about to happen in the economy is Jim Cramer says he feels good about the economy. When Jim Cramer says he feels good about the economy, hold on to your hats and prepare for bad times. Uh, he, he's kind of a great contrary indicator. All this is to say... It's January 23rd, 2023. Republicans between now and August will start mulling whether or not to get in to a presidential race. Joe Biden will seriously start considering whether or not he actually wants to run again in 2024. And we will be headed into a presidential campaign where the economy becomes a key issue. And it's one where the Democrats control the strings and levers of the economy, not the Republicans even controlling the House of Representatives. It's going to be hard to blame them. And the Republicans can use this to their advantage. That's just politics. Now, you can use the Eden Pure Thunderstorm to your advantage to clean the air in your house, to wipe out bad odors. Ran it on my back porch. It worked. It got rid of the musty, mildewy odor back there. I've used it in hotel rooms to get rid of smoke odors and in rental cars where people have smoked in the car. Wipes out those odors, litter box odors, pet odors. It wipes out the odors. You can get three of them for less than $200 by going to EdenPureDeals.com. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3. You can get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms for less than $200. Save $200. Get free shipping. You get one for upstairs, one for downstairs, one for your basement or your RV or one for your travel bag. That's where I keep mine. You can hold it in your hand, plug it into a wall, or you can use a USB cord to power it in a car, and it wipes out odors, pet odors, litter box odors, smoky odors, musty odors, mildewy odors, kitchen cooking odors, The Eden Pure Thunderstorm wipes them out. Just leave it running, step away, come back, and you've got clean air in your house. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is ERIC3. (laughs) I'm sorry. Right as I'm coming back on, a buddy of mine sends me this video. Hang on a second. 
Um, I gotta, I can't play this video on air, but oh my gosh, hang on. Uh, Philip, David, Andy, I'm, I'm having to send you this link. Charlie, I'll send it to you too. Oh my gosh. It's a, uh, Cowboys football party. <laughs> it's a Cowboys 49ers game last night. I, the Cowboys just talk about choking in, in, in the, uh, postseason. They, the Cowboys fan is watching his TV. They have the last play at the end of the game. It is the dumbest play I think I've ever seen on a prof- in a professional football game. And the the guy, I must, I hope it's his house. He literally punches his fist through the flat screen TV and then drop kicks it. I can't play it because the the profanity is too much. But I mean, the, this guy is furious. He's furious, and everybody else in the bar is like, "Dude, what did you just do?" It really. Listen, I, as if you're a longtime listener of this program, you understand that I am. I'm not exactly an, an expert when it comes to football. I enjoy watching the games with my friends. Um, but even I, a non-football expert, could watch that game last night at the end and think, you people are not good at this. I don't know how they had the season they had to get that far because um, that was bad. And, of course, leave it to the Falcons who aren't even in the playoffs to blow a playoff game. So, But nonetheless, I digress. Uh I should remind you, you should subscribe to my, you know, you should have subscribed because some unbelievable audio I want to play when we come back. If you're not a subscriber to my email, you should be. Text the word data to 33777 and get the daily email. Uh, Over the weekend, I actually pushed out some stuff, which I don't normally do. But with all the stuff in Atlanta, first it was calm and peaceful, and then it turned violent riots. And CNN rushed to have on a freelance journalist to claim everything was actually mostly peaceful. This is the euphemism for violent protest these days, that they're all mostly peaceful. But there's some great hypocrisy from the press we need to talk about on this. I'm actually genuinely bothered by this because I think a free people need a free press. And we don't really have a free press these days. They're captured and held hostage by their own prejudices.